to Engagement Matters, the podcast for business professionals who want to effectively engage with stakeholders and increase the productivity of their teams. Brought to you by JHW Corporate Training. For show notes, transcripts and additional podcast resources, visit jhw.com.au slash podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 11 of Engagement Matters. My name is Christina Cantors and today I'm joined not by John but by Ralph Muir-Morris who is the lead facilitator for JHW. Ralph has been involved in learning and development for over 20 years so he has a lot of knowledge and things to share. Now I'm sure you'll learn more about Ralph as we proceed with this conversation and in future podcast episodes but for now let's get straight into today's topic and we're talking about the personality compass which and, and how to engage with different people who have different personality styles. So Ralph to kick us off why are we talking about this in the first place? Well, thanks for asking Christina. The real purpose of all of this is to make people more efficient. There are a lot of uh, things that are said about different types of personalities, why we should know, and a lot of people focus on themselves, focus on a whole range of items. But in the end, for me, if you're not being more efficient as a communicator, then I'm not sure why you would spend a lot of time with this sort of topic. Uh, so uh, what we hope to do is get people thinking about the outcomes. If I've got to deal with you or somebody else and I'm not naturally comfortable with your style, then it really is up to me to do something about that. I have the opportunity to make positive relationships with everybody I meet. I have a chance to work with anybody and everybody, but it is down to me. And uh, so if I want to be more efficient, uh, make better use of my time, then understanding how people work is fairly important. Mm. Mm. And if we're able to do this well, where does that, what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, my friend John has this expression that you, you get the stakeholders that you deserve. And it's a little bit like you get the politicians you deserve. If you don't make an effort, if you don't get out there and try to move things forward, then nothing will happen. All of us have the opportunity to be very effective communicators, which will make us very effective leaders, very effective colleagues, um, good in the workplace and good at home. So it really is a life skill. And the more we practice and the more we try, the better we get. So there's a lot to be gained from thinking about this and focusing on this. If we, we just let ourselves say, well, it's somebody else's problem or it's somebody else's fault, then we're really not moving forward. Can you give us an example of what it looks like when you have this clash of different personalities and the message isn't getting across, it's not being received and things end up not working as we expect it to. Can you give an example sure. of that? Um, if I come in and my personality is more um, thoughtful, reflective, possibly even ponderous, then the way I communicate might be at odds with perhaps the way you would want to communicate, Christina, because you have high energy and you like to move forward and you've got plenty of get up and go. You may well look at me as a bit slow and, you know, snail-like, <laughs> I may see you as a bit too quick and flighty. And somewhere in this gap that we both are experiencing, we don't communicate well. Um, if I suspend my judgments about how you should be and start to think, well, Christina is the sort of person that likes energy, movement and go forward and she wants to make things happen. If I can get my head around that and communicate in a way that makes you feel better, you're going to want to talk to me, you're going to want to work with me. Uh, if I just stick to my way, I'm going to drag you down and that's not going to work for either of us. 
So um, if I can work out who you are, where you're coming from, and I can adjust to you, I can be successful. Mm. So, Ralph, there are, there are a lot of different, say, personality tests and different personality matrices out there. And a lot of these tests tell us about ourselves and, and what we're like. Can you explain the difference between the personality compass that JHW works to compared to some of these other personality sure. tests? Or, or it's, a, it's a really good question because people spend lots of money on these things and they spend a lot of time and they do a lot of reflecting. Now, philosophically, I'm, I'm good with people wanting to understand themselves and know themselves better and that's an important part of life. It doesn't necessarily, though, get you into a better relationship with somebody else. If I'm too caught up in my own world and how interesting and amazing I am and I don't spend time thinking, but, hey, Christine is different to me, how do I build a bridge between her and, and my form of communication so that we can both be productive? I see a lot of people who can tell you that they're an ENTJ in Myers-Briggs or they're a, um, a high D in DISC or whatever it is, um, as you say, there's plenty of them. And yet when I ask them to tell me about their colleague, they're at a bit of a loss. So for us, we want to be able to give people the skill to go, oh, look, Christina, she's really interesting. Wow, seems to be a little bit ABC, XYZ, whatever it is um, that allows me to understand Christina better. So our approach is generally about identify and understand who you're talking to and make some adjustment. I often say that if you go to Paris, uh, while it's better than it used to be, if you walk down the Champs-Élysées and go into a patisserie, you will get a reasonable reaction if you ask for something in English. Uh, and sometimes you'll get some help and sometimes you won't. If you go in and attempt to speak French, even as badly as I do, then you'll discover people warm to you. They make an effort. They often say to me, and that's certainly the last time I was there, they say to me, oh, no, your French is pretty good, you know, um, but what can I, how can I help you? Because they all speak English. And that's the reality. If I make an effort, most people respond positively. So you don't have to change who you are completely in the way you communicate in order to be effective. You just have to make that effort to, to yes, do that. Yes, my, my French continues to be awful. Um, <laughs> but they're not looking for me to be a Parisian. And I think that's the, the point of all this, that um, people can identify that I come from somewhere else in a personality sense as well as a geographical sense. If they see me making an effort to fit in with their world, then people are at least unconsciously, if not consciously, pleased and thankful that I made that effort. They're more likely to want to help me as well. And this is how we start this... Um, change in the way we deal with people you see we all do this unconsciously if you think about you talk to say a two-year-old or a three-year-old child a niece or a nephew you would have a conversation at their level based on their interests um, if you talk to a managing director of a large bank or telco you're not going to have the same level of conversation well hopefully not <laughs> awkward if you did so we do adjust when we're at a party, when we're at a funeral, when we're at um, a community event, we adapt based on what we see, what we understand and what we know. And that's what people do. The interesting thing to me is the same thing happens with individuals. When an individual is different from you, that's all you have to do. You just have to identify that they've got some differences and they need to hear things in a certain way. So um, my dear friend Roz says, be the constant tourist. 
Always watch. Always look. Always think. Mm, what like country that. am I in? What are the? What's the custom here? What are the cultures? What? Are, how do they like to hear things? How do they like to interact? And if you stop being so caught up in what you need to do and start thinking, no, no, it's not about me. It's about the person in front of me. I'm trying to create comfort uh, and um, a connection and let that person know that I'm willing to put the effort into communicating. So it sounds like we do this naturally anyway, like you were given the example with the child versus the CEO of a company. And to me, it sounds like it's just about being a bit more deliberate with how we do it on a day-to-day basis with other individuals. Absolutely. This is around awareness. So the starting point is to go, okay, how do I pick somebody? <laughs> you know, uh, Often we, uh, we meet somebody and we either go yay or nay. And the yay is because they're generally like us. And the nay is because they're not. And we don't always identify that. This, you know, We make a decision about somebody in less than 15 seconds. And so... We need to stop ourselves from going good guy, bad guy. It's, it's a fundamental human trait. When we were running around in the jungle, you know, we had to make some pretty quick decisions. Was that guy down there with a spear friend or foe? So we went, yeah, nah, and we did that in nanoseconds. Now, we still do that, even though they don't carry spears and the worst thing they do might be blog unpleasantly about us, but we still make this uh, yes or no thing. And really, it's it's more than just um, they're a good guy or a bad guy. They're none of the above. They're just different to us. If I can identify that that style is different to me, but I know how to talk to that style, then I don't have any trouble anymore. Um, it's just when I decide that they're a really bad person because <laughs> they don't want to communicate the way I want to, <laughs> that's where we hit the roadblock. Mm. Mm. So you've given us compelling reason as to why this is really important. Can you... Uh, we will be discussing in detail the different quadrants and how to communicate and engage with them in future episodes. But are you able to give us a, a brief overview of those so that listeners know what to expect in the coming okay, episodes? Well, at, at the risk of you know sounding like I'm 100 years old, uh, let me just walk you through really quickly how all this stuff started. When people were sitting around the, the campfire way back when, hunter-gatherers day, they kind of thought, hey, we're not all the same. And they looked for reasons why. So we started off with... Earth people, fire people, wind people, water people. And this was a, um, an attempt to, to work out what's influencing people. Now, we moved on after that. We became uh, interested in um, bodily fluids. and We had sanguines and cholerics and phlegmatics. All the way through this, though, we had four categories. Myers-Briggs has 16 subtypes, but there are four archetypes in Myers-Briggs. DISC, obviously, D-I-S-C, four. Um, social styles for Herman's got four. All of the ones that we know and are popular now break the world into four. There's the bird one as oh, well. Oh, yes, my favourite, which is... <laughs> yeah. uh, and colours. Colours are there, but the oh, eagle, yeah. the owl, the peacock and the dove, which is not mine, so, you know, um, money going to whoever owns that one. But that's just a nice visual way of thinking, hey, there's four different styles of people. Uh, the most common theme is are they relationship-driven primarily or task-driven primarily, and so that covers most of the sins. And then there's uh, varying degrees of um, extrovert, introvert, uh, proactive, reactive, thinking about the future, thinking about the past. But they're the general parameters around dividing the world into four. So you might be um, somebody who we would say likes to take the lead, move forward, 
take action. And you might be a people person, so you might like to build relationships and networks. And that would give you a, a category. So we would say you were vision and visibility. If you were somebody that loved the relationship but were more reflective and more wanting to look at the world more broadly, that would make you a friendship and collaboration person. And just to be clear, these are these are the terms that JHW has in their personality compass. Yeah. So vision and visibility, friendship, friendship and collaboration. Yep. And yep. I take blame for these because they're mine. I made them up. And they're really <laughs> to tap into the compelling part of that person. A vision of visibility is about the future, is about seeing uh, the road that we're on and the journey and the prize at the end. Friendship and collaboration want team harmony. They want people to get on. They want to leave nobody behind. So it's more of a us rather than an individual thing. If we move up to the um, task-focused move forward, take the lead type people, we call them power and control because they like to be in control. They like to have the power to make things happen. And so they're the movers and shakers. Uh, And then if we come down the other side of the task um, uh, continuum, we've got the people who think about the task and people who think about... uh, lessons of life, history, learning, knowledge and wisdom, and we call those the subject matter experts. That's a term that's used broadly and I think most people get it. Um, But to be wise and knowledgeable is all important to them. So the label power and control, vision and visibility, subject matter expert and friendship and collaboration tap into the compelling part of that individual. A lot of people will say, but oh, I've got a bit of everything. And that's true. We all have a bit of everything. We just start with one and build on it. So I'm a Melbourne boy. I was born in Melbourne and I will always be a Melbourne boy. I've lived elsewhere. But in my heart, you know, this is my my starting point. In terms of the JHW personality quadrants, I'm a subject matter expert. Now, I can do vision and visibility. I can do power and control. I can do friendship and collaboration. And as you get older, you become more comfortable with all of these. But I will always be at the heart of it a subject matter expert, because that's my most comfortable spot. That's your home it's town, my home so town. to speak. <laughs> and if I'm under pressure, and this is the interesting bit for all of us, if I'm under pressure, I will fall quickly back to that starting point. Because while I've been you know, dancing around in all these other countries and having a lovely time and having a bit of a party, um, when the pressure comes on, I will drop back to my <clears throat> excuse me, most comfortable spot. And that's when you can tell clearly how people are and how they how they interact. Mm. Does it change according to context as well? So, for example, could you be in one particular quadrant at work and then be in a different one at home? Well, we all have the capacity to move in and out. If we're with our nearest and dearest, if we're with a partner, we tend to share a lot of ourselves with our partner. So it, it's actually very difficult to tell what your partner's like. You know, people often go, oh, I don't know what, you know, George or Mary or Fred is like, well, because you see all of them and you have a rare insight into all of their personality. Typically, though, if we're power and control at work, we're power and control at home. We might be a power and control light. We might tone it down a bit. Mm. We're still planned and organised. We still have things to do. We still like to tick the boxes and get things done and move ahead. Um, if we're vision and visibility at work, vision and visibility at home, same thing. We are who we are. As my sister, who's a clinical psychologist, would say, everywhere you go, there you are. And so we reveal ourselves in the way we talk, in the way we interact, 
and the things that we focus on. Mm. Now, there might be some people thinking, okay, this is all great, but I don't want to be put into a box. Like, I don't care what you say I am, I won't go into this box. Why do why do we, f- first off, put people into these categories? It's often said that people shouldn't be put in boxes, this is some sort of terrible discrimination or something awful. The truth is that when you first met me, you made a decision about me. Good guy, bad guy, you had me in a box. And that took less than 15 seconds. I did the same thing to you. This is how human beings are. So to sit back and go, oh, I don't like being put in a box, is really to um, say, I don't like being in the world. It happens whether you want it to or not. And it, it's not what we focus on. And I think the difference that we have is we say, look, it's interesting, Christina, that you're perhaps vision and visibility. But the more interesting bit is, can you work out me when you meet me? Can you adjust your languaging to suit my needs? And then at the end, whatever box you're in doesn't actually matter so much as long as you have versatility. All the research will tell you that versatility is the key to success. It's not whether you were born an SME or born a friendship and collaboration. The journey um, is about where you get to. It's not about where you started from necessarily. So... Being versatile, being adaptable, getting your head around who's in front of you, they're the critical things. Mm. Does it change according to culture and or country? A lot of people say, oh, it's very different in Russia or China or um, America. or, And I need to draw the distinction that culture is an entity in its own. So when we come, as I've been to, to China, you have to ne- negotiate the culture. I mean, I've made my share of mistakes, some a little embarrassing, just cultural faux pas, but that's the layer that sits across the top of society. And so we need to be able to navigate that layer, then we come into contact with the people. Once you have navigated the layer, you discover all four in the same frequency as they are anywhere else in the world. So whether I'm dealing with the Americans or the French or the English or the Chinese, it really doesn't make any difference. All four quadrants exist. But there is that veneer of culture. Mm. So we, mm. you know, something else to consider, else to consider it is. when you're it speaking is. to people from those Well, cultures. recently I, I had uh, the opportunity to work with somebody from Russia. And there's something about the accent and that slightly dour thing that goes on with Russians that can uh, fool you a little bit. I mean, she was clearly friendship and collaboration. But... The expectation one has of a Russian, particularly for those a little bit ignorant in this part of the world, just uh, confuses you. But once you sit down and go, okay, what am I hearing? What are they focusing on? How are they addressing the world and me? It becomes quite clear. Mm. So to me, that sounds like you also have to hold all your preconceived ideas and judgments over people of certain culture and be open to going, okay, let's not assume that they're a certain way. Let's listen and really hear, as you said, what they're saying and make our deductions based off that. There is a strong need to stop being binary. And by that, I mean stop going right or wrong, good or bad. I'm a theory ex in McGregor's terms. So I think the world's fundamentally a good place and people are fundamentally good if you give them the chance. It's a much nicer way to live your life, to think that everybody's bad and evil is not very helpful, I don't think. So I give people an opportunity to prove who they are and I hold off for as long as I can um, judgments and, and, and assessments of them. I mean, clearly there's some things that for my value set I, I can't entertain, you know, murder and other things. Um, sorry, don't care who you are, not interested in you. 
But I try not to put my value set on other people. I try to understand where they're coming from and let them explain to me why they've come to the conclusions and why they live the way they live. Mm, That's a good thing to do. Last question Mm. for you, Ralph. By actually changing how we communicate to, you could say, match or, you know, communicate better with another person's communication style, could that be considered unethical to do that? Yeah. Uh, A lot of people say, you know, isn't it like manipulating people? And Mm. if sitting on the floor with your three-year-old niece and going, oh, look, fluffy rabbit is manipulating people, then maybe. I think you're just trying to make somebody comfortable. I would caution anyone that the thing that will kill any relationship is inauthenticity. So if you're pretending or putting it on or, you know, trying to be something you're not, people will read that in a, in a heartbeat and the relationship will be damaged. So when you try to adjust, it has to come from a genuine spot. It has to be um, well-meant and well-intended. Uh, I've, like I, with my French, I've tried over the years and I've been a bit clunky but people have looked at me and, and I can see them going, well, not a bad effort, you know, mm. good on you for having mm. a go. And so for me, uh, that built confidence that if I tried to do the right thing, it would come back to me. And for those philosophically oriented, reciprocity is about, you know, the effort you make is returned to you. And it happens. It takes some time, but it does happen. And you find that person you thought was really impossible to deal with and you would never get on with, et cetera, et cetera, suddenly softens, suddenly is more interested in talking to you, Somebody become, suddenly becomes more rational and um, a nicer person to deal with. So there's a big prize at the end of this. And look, it's just good for human beings generally to be more aware of each other and stop being so caught up in themselves and, and their own lives. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you so Clear. much, Ralph. Clear. So that you've given us a, a great overview of, of the whole personality compass and, and why it's so important to be able to do this. You'll be back in future episodes to share with us exactly how we can communicate better with people from each of those four quadrants, which I'm quite excited about because I have learned about this with you before and I've, I find it super fascinating as well. So I'm looking forward to that. Thank you very much, Christine. And that wraps up episode 11 of Engagement Matters. We'll see you in the next episode. My name's Christina Cantors. Thank you for listening to Engagement Matters, the podcast brought to you by JHW Corporate Training. To download free resources or to join one of our public engagement skills workshops, visit jhw.com.au.